John Jones, still so candid, highly recommends you use sexually enhancing drugs, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is uh, definitely funnier outside the cage, because wow, did that not need to be said. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? Do you want to make a public statement about sex-enhancing pills? Um, I don't know. I don't really think I need to. I just find it very funny that with John Jones, the kid's like, what, in the prime of his athletic career and he's already gotten to resort to them? I know. Taking male enhancements. It's like, how much coke did you do? Was your penis okay? <laughs> I mean, shit, about. dude. Does that anybody talk about that? Do they talk about the coke dick? Do and I'm also. Is this something women request of you? I mean, I, I'm just thinking based off of seeing his grappling and uh, fitness prowess. You're probably good, man. Oh, They're shit. probably like, I, I'm all set. Six, six hours. Ken, maybe he can't do championship rounds in the bed. Ooh, <laughs> that's how every fighter refers to it. <laughs> if it's their wives like, God, I'm gonna need you to do a little bit better in the championship rounds. You could guess. Be like, what do you think this was? A three round fight? Ooh. Hey, ladies out there, men who are upset with their performance. I mean, this helps all of us try and uh, up our partner's game. Unless you're the person that's like, no, I'm good in the regular rounds. I'm still in the amateur. Just express it using fighting terms. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Wow, should I not be giving out relationship advice on this podcast? I'm going to say that out loud and move to the next topic. Jacare, you posted a meme. You can find it verbal tap cast on all of the social medias. You should be following us on Facebook. Just wrapping up an amazing WWE BJJ week where you can find all those videos. Raf Jacare is a free agent after this next UFC fight. Yes. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of Bellator being like, you can fight for the title tomorrow. He will be in. I find it very sad that that's probably a more likely outcome than the UFC giving him a title shot. I feel like if UFC was really going to like follow up on this whole, like, let's give Jacques Ray his title <laughs> shot, I feel like they would have done it. But he seems too dangerous for their golden boy right now, a.k.a. Bisping. Yeah. And so, they've already guaranteed yeah. that fight to an up and <laughs> up and comer named George's Saint Pierre. So I don't know, man. If I'm Jacare, and I think there might be a video of Jacare showing Hadolfo some brutal control for grappling in MMA against the cage, and just like he's ten years older than him, and he's still like, "This is how you distribute your weight." All this. And it was fascinating to watch because I'm just sitting there going like, yeah, I don't want to roll with either of these guys. They're super good at what they do. <laughs> but, man, what a lesson to be taking. If, if you're either of those people, I'd just be – we would just be geeking out the entire time if, if you're being so honest. I just hope – apparently Bellator, it's been said that they need to just buy out or buy up all of the UFC's uh, free agents. I think that's kind of their strategy right now. Jacare would be a huge get for them. So, who knows? Hmm. Okay. Because uh, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to see the person he fights at the next one, and I don't even mm. care because I'm so tired of the UFC dicking around with that division. Yeah. And it does feel like there's been a lot of fuckery. 
because uh, correct me if I'm completely off base here, but is this uh, GSP fighting at 185 or are they doing like a catch weight? It's 185? I don't know exactly where they they hit off on this one. I think they're letting him fight at GSP weight. Okay. I think that was <laughs> I'm really curious what that's... going to be a catch weight, but who the fuck knows? They've literally – and now they're talking about that they're going to do it later on, I guess, the the fall. And you have Bisping who's saying like, he doesn't call the rules. I call the rules, and this is how it goes, and these are my world. And it's like, oh, God, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Bisping, you debate you're world holding hunger? a championship, and no one gives a fuck what you think. And I love the fact that you have him and Daniel Cormier, who we'll get to later, who are like, I hold the championship. I call the shots now. And it's like, no, you don't. If you sell, you call the shots. If you're Dana's buddy, you call the shots. If you're holding a championship, why don't you go ask Demetrius Johnson how many shots he's calling at his division right now? (laughs) And he is widely regarded as many as, like, if not the pound-for-pound best and that fucker still can't even call a fucking shot at McDonald's. So what I'm telling you is, just think of it this way. Yes, you are afforded some great things as being a champion. But if GSPA, who comes in and has actually sold pay-per-views under his name, under his name, and people have bought it to see his fights, yes, maybe Amen. shut the fuck up <laughs> on saying you call the shots. I completely agree, and Raph, I'm, I, I'm, I do uh, hate to do this, but just mm. real quick, I'm gonna have to yeah. put you on mute. Yeah, we sure. I, I'm, I mean, I'm like ninety percent. All right. Uh, he's beeping in. It's like he hears you as soon as you say his name. Uh, and we're just gonna make this real quick. I'm gonna bring on soon to be 185er, <laughs> world champion. At everything, dinosaur expert. George's Rush St. Pierre, how you doing tonight, champ? Ole, 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 ole. GSP did not expect this. <laughs> hey, who calls the shots? You were Bisping. Well, uh, if we were going through the forum, then I would have called my own shot to come <laughs> on the show, yes, no? But yes. I did not. So, uh, yeah, 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 no. GSP, very number one, all time. Uh, Kevin Phillips, I must tell you one thing. Hmm. I do not appreciate this Michael Bisping uh, saying when we will fight. Uh, GSP will fight whenever he is good and ready. And you're almost always ready. But can I just say, I like your odds still, and I think you call the shots. I'm going to say it. Uh, uh, of course, of course. Number one, GSP in your hearts in all time. Uh, GSP has one thing that he would like to make very clear to Michael Bisping. Is it about dinosaurs? Uh, no, but uh, he reminds me kind of of uh, the pterodactyl of uh, of UFC fighter. You know why? Uh, I do not. I don't. Just uh, he just flaps his wings, and you all you hear all the time is "gah gah." <laughs> it's very very nothing about you to him. You just look at him. You're like a boring bird. Are you bird or dinosaur? I do not know. That's all I'm gonna see now. I can assure you, bird or dinosaur. Gah, gah. GSP does very good dinosaur noise. Uh, Ask him to do any dinosaur noise. He can uh, replicate for you. I'll remember that for next time. (laughs) I don't know. Brontosaurus? I'm trying to think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is fun. 
Uh, well, you should be in Jurassic Universe or whatever's next. Oh, you should fact. be in Jurassic Universe. Yes, all of the ADR for uh, the Jurassic World Part 2. Oh, for fuck's sake. Crazy. That's a good one, too. Jurassic Park 2. Um, well, GSP, it's always a mystery and a puzzle where we're going to go and what we're going to find out. I want to thank you for stopping by. And I just want to final note, 185? Or are you going to tell us what weight? Or is it kind of a surprise type thing? GSP is not so sure. I am going to come in at GSP weight, which is whatever I feel like. Perfect. And uh, I will do it with or without the assistance of a Dao, because some champions don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Daniel Cormier, it's okay. I Ooh, understood. Burn. That pack of Starburst was uh, very, very hungry for you, and you put it in your mouth, and you eat it, and you go, oh, I'm so happy. But then you could not make weight. <laughs> GSP has never had that problem. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, shots fired. The man, the myth, the legend, Georgia St. Pierre. Ole, 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 ole. This is what a Tyrannosaurus Rex sounds like. <laughs> ah, what a talent. Uh, I'm just going to thanks, GSP, as always, for calling. I'm going to bring Raph back. <laughs> Oh, oh God! He's still. He has say. He's ultimately he's in charge. I do have to say that. Obviously, everyone knows. Uh, GSP rocking the dinosaur noises. Raph, you're going to be really upset about this one. He did a brontosaurus. He did a pterodactyl. I think he did uh, a T Rex. Next mm-hmm. time, I, I swear, I'll try and get those recorded for you. And I'll. I'll it's just a shame. Them. It feels like it goes to waste. <laughs> Times. And it also feels like, I don't know, the whole time I'm listening to GSP, I'm like, GSP, it's like you're down an octave or something. It's just strange. Well, there I've heard there's a cold going around. There is, yes. For definitely. example, you've had to uh, recharge more this weekend than normal. Yeah. I understood yeah, not, you not tried well. to sleep. I did sleep. Listen, there's nothing, I guess, happier for Kevin than the moments in which he discovers I am human. So the basic concept of this show is, if you're just new to this, Kevin thinks I'm a robot, and I'm not. I I'm believe. A human. I night, believe. Some of us mm-hmm. go to bed. Some of us plug in. Okay. Raph plugs in. But yeah, human, you bleed, whatever. But nothing more so than the joy on Kevin's face when I'm like, well, I'm sick, so I'm, I'm you know, taking it easy the past couple days and kevin's like oh you are I'm like oh, why are you so no. happy about jesus but, but i'm just saying through. e and gsp the same thing yeah i just went on the gsp uh you know get yourself out of it i'm actually i'm feeling great now because <laughs> i followed his orders to a t i woke up every part of the past few days and was like all right t vitamin c crush this throat lozenge don't talk to anybody for a few hours. Save my voice. All the honey you can get in the world. Drink some bullshit thing with lots of salt. Yeah. Throat things. All of that sort of shit. And by the end of it, like, I-, I will say, one of the things you get really nervous about when you are a podcaster is, you're like, but my voice, I need my voice. It is my instrument. No one wants to listen to, like, Don Imus. Unless that's what Dino, unless you sound like that normally, I'm just saying it's uh, gross when it comes from a 30, you know, young 30s crew. 
I was just going to say, the only thing that was going to get a little weird is uh, you were going to hear me take an octave down. Like right now, I'm pretty sure if you've heard our voice, you know, uh, throughout the years, it's nothing too different. But people who know enough to hear my voice can be like, oh, yeah, maybe refs like just getting over a little bit of a cold. I was prepared to come in if I didn't have the full range of my voice. And thank God I do uh, to come in and definitely go down another octave so that you would have heard this guy co-hosting this week mm-hmm. with Kevin. It would have been a lot of, mm, I think that's very true, Kevin. <laughs> that was a good point. In fact, one of my favorite points of uh, UFC 210. <laughs> would have been Southern a- too. It would have been a little southern. I will tell you. <laughs> There's a about, Kentucky draw to it. That about 12 years ago. He spent some time was, there, guys. When I was interviewing uh, for this, the job in Kentucky, I was I could feel my voice starting to go. And I was drinking as much tea, trying to get it all in, and I could see it start to like, you know when you see your voice leave you? Like you, you have an out-of-body experience where you see it going and you go, ah, well, there it goes. Yes. I was interviewing and I was like, I, I want to get this job. And I did the interview and I could see the last few seconds of his going. And the guys invited me to a poker game. And so I took on the alias of a guy named Lowell. And I just was playing poker. And the whole time it made for a very strange, like, so uh, you're really going to call? Is that what you're going to do here? Because uh, I'm gonna see your little your little pony right here. I'm gonna put you in three more stacks. And people were like, "Raf, it's freaking me out." And I'm like, "This is the only way I can talk. It's either this or nothing. That's the only voice register I have left." So yeah, it, it is pretty pretty normal for me to do this. Um, but I don't, I've only literally had my voice go like a couple times. I won a national tournament <laughs> where I had my voice going. And I like literally like I gave the last speech in a final round. I came back to the hotel room and I just passed out. And I was like, "Ugh!" And they're like, "Raph, you won." And I was like, "I did." Okay, cool. Great. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> and we play through pain here at the podcast most of the time. Though this also does hurt your favorite hobby because uh, jujitsu typically. Oh yeah, sick. I haven't I haven't trained to in like take a few days off because uh Raph being a good training partner as you are knows mm-hmm. uh you don't train sick. I do not. Not even for you so much because the damage is kind of done on you though obviously pending sickness, but you can get everybody else sick. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> so you know, stay away. Just for a few. Just for a few. Then you can come back and we have UFC 210 to discuss. You and I are going to merge that with flow grappling because we see a lot of similarities. Yeah. And we're talking to Emil. He's a grappler, kind of, for just being mm. generous with the phrase. So there's a lot that can be uh, gleaned from this. Continue to listen. We're going to hit all that and more. Please check out the LA Jiu Jitsu Club. New yes. t shirts. If you're headed to LA, you need a place to stay. And you're like, ah, it'd also be a great time to like immerse myself in jujitsu. I've never even done it, but I want to spend five days learning from killers and rolling with Raph. Go stay at LAJJC. Buy a t-shirt. If you're already in jujitsu, it makes perfect sense. And I've seen it. It's like a jujitsu mecca. It's amazing. It really, the living room is mats, people. Come on. It's perfect. Um, five stars 
for us over there on iTunes and let us know what you think of Raph's cold versus pre-cold voice. And I'd like details. No less than 400 words. I'm just saying. That ought to get us into the, the next segment, Raph. Is that enough self-promotional plugs? Think so. LAJJC. Awesome. Yeah, All right. Good. Let's go chat. Okay, so a lot of you guys don't know this, but off air, Kevin has been bitching to me about UFC two eleven. Or I'm sorry, two ten. Couldn't even get the if you couldn't even get the number right, that proves I'm subliminally correct. No, it doesn't. It just proves that I forgot. I had a memory lapse for and two seconds. And you're a little seconds. sick. <laughs> so I think if I people am, are like, I oh, am you don't normally sickness. screw that up, though, Ralph. I don't. The, little... the sickness is getting to me. Um, but you know what's great is I'm rallying. Kevin's rallying through this. Uh, we need to go ahead and give some results. But before we do, Kevin, I just need you to explain, you to explain why it is that you were so bored with UFC 210. I was super bored. I'm just going to say it. First of all, halfway through the FS1 prelims, it was like, I think I kind of recognize Cummins. How mm-hmm. Have I just not been watching enough? I don't recognize any of these fighters. <laughs> Jerry was the only one. I was like, I don't know who's fighting. I'm just going to say it. I, I need a bio. I need something. And I could hear it in Rogan's voice. And by the time I got to Brooks Oliveira, it was just like, okay. Uh, I thought that fight and Alves Cote had some interest. Everything else just kind of sucked to me. I was really struggling with this being a pay-per-view that to to pay for by the end. Of okay, the but there was a lot to talk about. So I figure in order to cover all the angles, let's bring back on your opponent from last week's Over Under Kevin, Emil Fisher. Emil, how are you doing today, sir? I'm fantabulous. How about you? <laughs> Good. It sounded like you struggled to get through that one See, yourself. I felt the opposite, Raph. Mm. I felt like he almost sounds rejuvenated, mm-hmm. like younger in a scientifically futuristic sort of way mm-hmm. emil have you been doing anything different mm-hmm. since we last spoke to you why why yes i've uh i've begun working with my new sponsor cleveland cryo um if uh if you're in the cleveland area i highly recommend you check out this fine facility they googling they a fantastic it. service and i feel like a new man <laughs> <laughs> you sound like one i just i thought i heard it raf that was it i just uh, whole body cryo. No, nope, I haven't found the website yet. Let's keep. That's fine. It. Now I want to ask this because uh, Kevin and I haven't done it yet. Can you explain like how long does it happen for and what happens? Because in my mind, the movie Demolition Man happens, and then you wake up and it's a hundred years later. It's nothing like the movie Demolition Man. You're, well, you then promise? I'm not in. Do you out. promise? Because. It's a real fear. You step into a phone booth looking thing with your head sticking up over the top. I imagine like um like like those 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 places where you eat monkey brains out of the monkey's head. Uh-oh. Yeah, just your head sticking out the top. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You have your head sticking out the top and um what they do is they fill the chamber that you're standing in with uh liquid nitrogen vapor. And as a result, uh, the air, the the space that you're standing in gets super cooled to, I think it was negative 130 degrees Celsius. It's really fucking cold. Uh, It's very uncomfortable, very cold. And as soon as you step out, you have this like tingly sensation all over your body. Mm. 
And in my experience thus far, it makes your joints feel really good. And I have the, the, the jujitsu joints that I hate. I hate my joints. I hate my knees. I hate my elbows. So to have the, a little bit of a respite from the pain is just a wonderful feeling. And it lasts a while too. So it's good. That's really good to hear. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've I've heard so many people will go on and on and on about it, and then the people who I haven't try it. I mean, I tell every, anybody to try it. If it feels good, it feels good. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. <laughs> good, good endorsement there. I just know that <laughs> when people tell me about it, because it's most of the people who don't do it who are always like, I don't think this thing does anything for anybody. But then the people who do continuously go back to it must be going back for some strange reason. So. I'm always intrigued to see how it is. I definitely will uh, do it because, uh, as everybody knows, I'm just like old man jujitero. So uh, basically, they just have to prop me back up after every rolling session. It takes a team of individuals to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But that's not important, guys. The important thing is this. Over the weekend, there was a whole bunch of shit that was going on. So let's take you bit by bit on what the fuck was happening. So before we even get to the UFC 210 card that Kevin was in and out of boredom with... There were a lot of headlines that were happening throughout the week. Let's start with the first one. The first one was, was Daniel Cormier going to make weight? So this became a whole thing because, you know, he's come down with a case of the Thanksgiving before, a.k.a. he injured something. But then it came back into a real-life scenario where this fight might not happen. When you're the champ, you have to hit 205 exactly. Kevin, would you like to tell us what happened from there? He definitely hit a 2-0-something. He did. Then he came back with, some, you called it his Weight Watchers Club, which was particularly uh, funny. He had people holding a towel. He's clutching the towel. There's Is a hand on wait, his wait, wait, back. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. He, he goes away, demands okay. a, another shot, makes weight okay. barely. And how long was it between the time? I, wasn't it less than 20 minutes? No, it was two minutes to be it was exact. Two minutes. I'm sorry, and two minutes. It was like now, a really you know, quick. Kevin made reference to grabbing a towel, having never had to make weight myself for anything. What could that possibly do? Well, Adolfo Vieira. Okay, so, yeah, so, 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 so imagine if you will. Imagine if you will. You're standing on a scale, and there is. Uh, okay. I don't know a chair next to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm there. And you put it's your stretch. hand on mm-hmm. said chair. The weight of your hand is now deposited on the chair. Whatever weight remains that you have not deposited on the chair is now on the scale. So if your hand weighs at that moment a pound, mm-hmm. your weight goes down by a pound. Now, take that and make make it into a towel being held up by two people. You grab on that towel, you apply about two pounds of pressure if you're at 207 instead of 205. Guess what happens? That two pounds of pressure you're applying onto the uh, towel is transferred to the towel off the scale. But and can you, you really lose the video pounds here? Because here's the thing. I know a lot of people were very skeptical about this. And I just want to make sure to ask you before I bring up my reference point here, but can you really lose two pay, uh, pounds by just by sure, like finger sure. tipping the lose, towel? You can lose tw- you can lose twenty pounds. I mean, if you if you got people holding that towel firmly in place and you're leaning on the towel, sure. I mean, think about a rope. 
think about a tightrope pulled across. You can stand on that. I mean, it's not even just that he was kind of grabbing onto the towel. He was just short of Michael Jackson smooth criminal leaning (laughs) that towel. Mm -hmm. And, like, just the amount of, like, restraint on his face that was like, I'm gonna make way... Now, my cousin, Cousin Marty, he very sweetly is trying to come to Cormier's defense on this one. So when he's like, you know, guys, I mean, we should cut him some slack because... He's made weight all these other times, and he's Olympian. I was like, dude, I would have been happy to cut him some, like, slack on the whole scale was a little bit off sort of thing. If he didn't clutch that towel with the kind of clutch you would imagine he would have when he's clutching Popeyes after these fucking fights. So I guess what I'm saying to most people is this. Kevin, do you think he cheated? Do you think he cheated? Uh, not so much do I think he did as I kind of watched him do it. Okay. Okay. So you watched him cheat and you understand that. Emil, where are you at? Did he cheat or did he not? Define cheat. <laughs> okay. I mean, awesome. as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, honestly, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he could have lost that extra weight. You know, he could have could have cut that those extra couple pounds. I don't know how much moisture was left in his body. Maybe he just didn't want to. And the reality is that if he did not make weight, that would have robbed um, Anthony Johnson of his chance for the title shot. Not so true. Did he cheat? Who did he cheat? Who did he cheat? Did he cheat Rumble? I don't think so. Yeah, he cheated in in a way. Sure. In a way, he should have made weight. He's a he's a prof- he's a professional. He's a professional fighter. He needs to make weight. So the answer is yes. He cheated, but he cheated because he wanted it to still be a title fight. Got it. The Ohio answer. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, so here's the real basis of this, and I, I need to make sure this is very clear. The rules would have stipulated if he did not make weight, aka Daniel Cormier. If he did not make weight, then it would have only given. Anthony Rumble Johnson the opportunity to win the belt because he would no longer be champion. Those are the rules uh, as as stipulated. So uh, he didn't really like save the card by like making weight. And I believe within two hours time, because New York has screwy rules and we'll get to those again in a little bit, but New York has screwy rules. And they said, all right, you got two hours to come make weight again. Again, not a problem, dude. If you're so confident that your scale was there and it was on, why do you need to clutch that towel? So that's my big contention. And I would I would 100% cut him some slack because the some of the people who are doing the Mythbusters sort of thing, our good friend Jason Yusuf, he got on a scale to prove, yeah, you can do this. But even on his own calibration for his own electronic scale, he magically, like, gained, like, 0.7 pounds in, like, a second when he didn't do much more than just go up and down. Uh, a scale thing, so I, I'm willing to cut him some slack. It's just more so the clutching. Maybe, of the maybe he went. Maybe he went and stood on his head for two minutes, then, because really, how are you gonna lose that much weight in two minutes? Listen, I my first thought was, you know, Daniel Cormier says some dumb shit, and a lot of people were saying maybe he went to go take a big dump, and I was like, nah, I just think he removed some of the bullshit from his brain, and then like got back on the scale again. Or he just got out some of the, uh, you know what it was? He probably just took out some of the the stuffing in his mouth, and was just like, "Oh my god, I was just storing this for after." <laughs> I'm so dumb. Kevin, what was your take from all of this? Because yes, you you did mention our Weight Watchers meme. We also did another one, which was the "Why you fucking lying" meme, which I think was necessitated because the next day 
on the embedded, he basically said something was wrong with the scale instead of saying something was wrong with his stomach. And I love him for it. And I want to say, I don't care. I was super into it, too. Uh, you know, do what you can. Bend some rules. Sometimes that's what it takes. And I w- really will say this. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Exactly. He seemed to want it. And frankly, hindsight being 2020 as it is, now knowing what I know, it's not like it mattered. So, mm. Well, here's some interesting things about that. Uh, a little bit later, Kevin, I'll follow up with you on this. John Jones, who was giving a Q&A, said that that trick that Daniel Cormier pulled on the scale was the dirtiest trick he had ever seen. Dirtier than say? I'm glad that John Jones has opinions on what is dirty. <laughs> uh, really, that's, that's well, important to me. It's important to me to hear John Jones' opinion on what's dirty. Come on, John Jones. Let's play on. a quick either or. Uh, either or, it's dirty to use souped up boner medication. Mm-hmm. Or grab a little towel. What do you guys? Is it dirtier dirtier to go ahead and run over a lady when she's pregnant? Because Uh, I was building to that. That was next. I thought maybe he edged him out with the boner medication excuse, but you know, rear ending (laughs) and fleeing the scene of a crime uh, with a pregnant woman. I'm going to vote worse. Okay. It didn't happen with regard to the octagon, but you know what? It is what it is. I just love the idea that like those two have such a weird relationship where they feel the need to try and one-up each other on all their shortcomings, and you just look at them and you go, you're both kind of shit sometimes. Can we just say that? <laughs> like, yeah. we want to root for either one of you at some point, but then you make it very difficult for us to choose one of you because, John Jones, you can't get your shit together, and Daniel Cormier now, he's taking what appears to be the heel book of like, you know, he was just at WrestleMania or he was just watching it and he really seemed to exude. He ended up bringing one of my comments to light, which was, I said, I haven't seen this much heat since Roman Reigns. And he literally was quoting and saying like, you know, at WrestleMania last week, Roman Reigns got booed for beating the Undertaker. And I was like, he's literally proving my my point here. Right. And the, the point is this simple. Roman Reigns is getting booed for beating the Undertaker. Daniel Cormier can't get love from an audience and now has just gone the way of like, well, I'm going to be the heel and I cash checks and I break bones and I'm doing all these things. But it looks like it's a remedial version of a WWE character. So it, it doesn't quite land. But we'll come back to Daniel Cormier. So that's not the only fight that's kind of up in limbo for a certain amount of time. Uh, Emil, did you happen to catch up with any of this implant gate, the boob gate? What? Boobgate? What? Yeah. I thought what? this was right it, up your alley, what? sir. It is right up my alley. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> well, I, I heard about two things. I heard about Cormier and then that whole nonsense, and I heard about uh, the whole uh, knees to a downed opponent or whatever the fuck. Ooh, that was a good one, but this is before we're even getting to the boring card, of, uh, as uh, what Kevin says. But apparently, one of Kitty? the female fights, we're getting, Kitty. yes, stay with me, kid. If you're good, you're okay. going to hear about titties, okay? But if you're not Yay. good, I'm going to take the titties away, all right? You so, can't take them away from me. <laughs> wow. Well, say that more definitively and more authoritatively, and I might actually believe you. But here's the deal, guys. Uh, the fighters, the two female fighters <laughs> that you have known, we picked on this uh, show last week, between Cynthia Sevilio and Pearl Gonzalez. 
it had come out Pearl. that one of them Pearl. one of them had breast implants. So the commission came out and said that fight was no longer. Now, it didn't take long for that to piss off Dana White because Dana White was saying, don't believe that fucking shit you read on the fucking internet. If you see it from us or you see it on my fucking page, that's when you know it's real, which, as we all know, is bullshit as well. So, Kevin, did you catch any of this news? Uh, I did not. No, this is also brand new to me, but I'm trying to Google it as fast as I can. So it, it, it had become boob gate by a certain point. But what they did was the commission was trying to figure out was having an implant uh, legal. So they had called off the fight. And apparently there were notes to doctors. There were a whole bunch of people who weren't sure what was going to happen. Ultimately, they had come to the better part of it and said that they were going to go ahead and make it happen. Pearl. So Pearl Gonzalez had to be put on blast in front of everybody and let it be known that she had an implant, which very interesting. I didn't know that that was really going to cause some uh, commotion. Can, uh, can I say, I don't feel comfortable but, that they reported this. Okay. Why is that, Kevin? I don't know. There's a lot of weird things that have to come up in a medical report. And uh, I guess eventually, if I'm ever grappling, I'm, I don't want them to, you know, be like third testicle. It's a problem, right? Sorry, can't grapple an MMA. They're going to be like, Kevin, we know about your penis. We know that you had an implant in there. You're gross. It's gross. Everybody's gross. (laughs) Uh, I don't like this. Emil, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't see how a breast implant affects a person's ability or lack thereof to fight. Um, (laughs) I love that you had to say it. I I don't. I don't. I don't see how such a thing would would matter. Um, if anything, well, this. You it, had would hurt, it would it would, make, it would hurt her ability to make weight. Very possible. Yeah, maybe she has to cut a little bit more. But think about being under that side control, though. That's some extra pressure that you're really not taking into consideration there. <laughs> but but seriously, um, doesn't matter. But okay. it's extra pressure, really. Like that. That's that's actually not extra pressure. You want to be bony to apply pressure. You want to be dropping that like that hard like shoulder pressure. You're I mean, dropping, dude, I'm just saying, what if her strategy is to just to find the sweet spot for the smother? Well, then good for her. All right. Like, well, I really don't. I really don't. I really don't see how implants are really going to affect. I mean, that's like such a small thing. I mean, let's put it this there way. are fighters that are there are fighters missing limbs that are able to do it. I don't think like any human nubs. being who has any issue with uh, somebody <laughs> fighting an implant. But uh, for the few moments that the New York Athletics State Commission showed that they were incapable of doing a whole bunch of shit, that should have been our first tip-off. All right, so now that takes us to the day of the fights. We get to the day of the fights. Um, the card goes pretty normal, as is. Uh, the UFC fight pass prelims, all filled with decisions, except for Gregor Gillespie, who was able to give us a KO somewhere in the very first round, which was uh, pretty awesome. So then we go to the Fox Sports Quan, and uh, Kevin was in and out. But Kev, did you see the Patrick Cummins fight? Uh, I did not. Okay. Uh, Patrick got like really swide swiped very early in this fight, uh, takes a big blow, comes back into it, fights his way to a majority decision. 
uh, ends up having to get carted off uh, to the uh, the hospital, but Jesus. in the ambulance takes a selfie of his sweet sweet mustache, which by the way yeah. is of uh, I'd put it on the realm of being in that uh, Gangs of New York kind of mustache. You guys need to look up uh, John the Machine Gunther. He's my teammate. He's got one of the most epic uh, examples of facial hair that I've ever seen in my life. Is he also going to have John the Machine Gunther? Uh, what? The Machine Gunther. I'm looking for. <laughs> I. Who's a fucking animal? You got to say though, like, what a beastly photo from Patrick Cummins. That's going to get him. That's gonna be. I'd blow that up and put it in the gym. Be me. Yeah, I see this photo of John. He, it's fucking stellar. It is. It is a powerful. John staff. is a monster. John is a monster of a human being. And it says Shout he rolls strong Johnson. style, so that means that uh, <laughs> it's a hybrid Kevin that we talk about ever so often about that uh, pro wrestling and catch wrestling where they meet and intersect, and it's all painful. Yeah. Strong. Oh yeah, yeah. Anytime you hear someone say they, well, they what's, inter- what's the interesting, style, run away. What's interesting is Gunther. Sorry, Gunther has a similar lineage, or he has trained with some of the same people as uh, Sean. Mm. So interesting. Br- brutal God. human beings. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, well, let's put a pin on that because I've got uh, a thing on Sorry. Sean. Let's also Sorry. put human in quotation marks. I haven't seen Sean's birth certificate. I don't know that he's not some form of hybrid. <laughs> like, you know, I would not be surprised. Exactly. A- and don't worry if he fights in New York City. They'll tell us all about it in the medical exam they release uh, that sometimes even de- details breast implants. Go on, Ryan. Sure. So as we go on and continue on the card, Shane Burgos has uh, also a knockout third round against Charles Rosa. Uh, Kamaru, you you might have called that one. Okay. <laughs> Kamaru gets a decision. Miles Jury, very vicious with uh, TKO on Mike De La Torre. Uh, that was uh, mm-hmm. something to behold. So that was a lot of fun to see. Good jiu-jitsu so in that match. A little bit. There was a little Miles. bit. Yeah, it was, it was good Miles. to watch. Miles was uh, on top of it. Very good to see. Speaking of jiu-jitsu, as we continue on to the next actual pay-per-view, we get Charles Oliveira versus Will Brooks. And I thought one of the best things that Oliveira was able to do was neutralize Will Brooks, who can be kind of erratic in his ability to stand up with people. Uh, controls Will very easily, gets a rear naked choke that I will give Will Brooks this credit. He tried to fight out of that so hard, and it was admirable that he was trying to, like, essentially at some point, I think he was almost going to try and punch his way out of this rear naked choke. But it's that kind where <laughs> the person's just, you, you know, you're standing, the person's on your back, you're just about to fall down, and you're just, like, literally just trying to trudge along to do whatever you can. But those of us who do jiu-jitsu know, yeah, it's just a matter of time. This is this is kind of dead. Can I ask a quick question here oh. to the two of you? Yes. Uh, in that position... It's legal for him to go forward with the body slam, right? What do you I mean? believe in re- reference to what you're asking. You go ahead. face first? Yes. yes. Why? Over your left shoulder. See if you can pop his head into the mat or floor. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I've been done, actually. I'm, I wasn't creating the move. I was just making sure it was legal because I was like, Will Brooks does not seem to care that Oliveira's head is in front of his. 
And I mean, I guess, okay, right before I tap, I'm definitely going to like try and throw you. Like, I'm definitely going to try and make this mobile. Now, I don't have Charles Oliveira on my back while I'm saying this. You could always you could always slam the guy up against the uh, the, the the hard part of the cage, like the, the part between the the cage itself. I guess I just try that, like bang their head against it. Yeah, Raph, Let me say this: I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to fight Emil in the cage. I'm going to have a plan for if he tries to like grab a leg or put me in a triangle. That mm-hmm. plan is going to be mostly physical slamming. I would think if Oliveira is fighting you, you spend about. Four sessions over the course of two months talking about ways to Rolling slam jiu-jitsu. someone. Yeah, that's my that's my thought. Right, training to deal with a grappler. <laughs> Just training to like if he puts you in a bad position, which one of his favorite places to put you is in the standing. He loves that. I'm just saying it wasn't. It was beautiful. I was just surprised. That's it. Yeah. A little cautious critique. A little great job, Oliveira. Really nice joke. Uh, Will, let's get a game plan, buddy. Let's get a game plan for when someone's on your back and you're standing. That's it. I'll say this. I think the nice part about that is if that had been a shorter time amount that he had to like deal with it, he might have actually run out the clock in, in some instances. Because I'm pretty sure he was there for well over a minute, if not a minute 30, in that particular position. So kudos to him. Uh. It's about this time, though, on the pay-per-view, they announced something big, and I thought this was particularly interesting. And just to give you guys an idea of where we are in the telecast now, uh, we're one fight into the main pay-per-view. If you've watched any of the other parts of the show, you've now realized that the uh, New York Athletic State Commission has given out some very generous 10-8s, a.k.a. Kevin's Dream, because now we're at a point where they're encouraging that. So hopefully that's going to be a little bit more of a liberal use of when they give that out, Uh because there are some rounds where you can't argue it's 10-8s. Kevin, not so much. Kevin argues every round is a 10-8. So that's not my issue. Now, a as they cut to a commercial. <laughs> uh, yes, a, a good lot of them, Kevin. I understand that. So now when they come out to commercial, they take the next 40 minutes to announce that Uriah Faber is going to be inducted into the modern wing. And I kid you not, they actually coined this the modern wing of the UFC Hall of Fame. My question to you, Kevin, is this. Why do they have to give out different branches of the UFC Hall of Fame? Yeah, I actually thought that when they said it. I was like, huh, why hasn't the NBA tried that? A new Hall of Fame and a real Hall Well, I guess they call it real Hall of Fame. I don't like it. I don't think the UFC understands what the Hall of Fame means. That was my takeaway. I was like, uh-oh. I just felt like they said, like, they might as well have just told us, you know, we're going to make... Uriah Hall or Uriah Faber, the chin of the Hall of Fame. Ta da, we did it. But when they said that they're going to build like a new hall, it just makes me think that they're making expansions. And I'm like, what do you know what that means? That's just weird. All right, just say he's in the fucking Hall of Fame and we're done. But they did a very nice uh, full package uh, that basically brought him on out for that. Now, it's at this time, though, Kevin and I started pulling double duty because they had the flow grappling going on which uh, was great. And Kevin, you might also be inclined to say that you were more likely watching one of them than the other. Uh, That would be a a fair assessment. Yes. Okay. So, Emil, if I were to ask you this, what were your expectations between the match between Gordon and Luke Barbosa or the Hulk Barbosa? 
given Gordon's penchant for uh, leg attacks, I was expecting a heel hook. I was expecting him to heel hook Barbosa. And I know that Barbosa is a very tough, very worthy competitor. But in a scenario where all subs are legal, I really think that somebody who trains for all subs being legal is going to have an advantage over somebody who trains for mostly IBJJF rules, which is what Barbosa, it's, it's my understanding, that's what he focuses on. Kev, how did that? Uh, how was his guess to the actual match? Everything but the heel hook sounded great. I would, <laughs> I would say Barbosa played super upsetting. I'm going to call him out. I didn't like it at all from Barbosa, and I do not understand. Jeff Glover said he thought he won. The match was Gordon scooting at Barbosa. Barbosa. Walking away from him, every time Gordon tried to touch him or do jiu-jitsu, Barbosa disengaged. That was the match. So the contention here is one from uh, Andre Galvo, who was very upset after when they named the decision in favor of Gordon. Uh, Galvo was saying that at least he had kind of an esteem lock. He was what? mostly trying to pass. Come on. Yeah, listen. He put up a photo of him trying to lock up an Estima lock. Gordon called it nothing but silly footlock transitionary. Like That's what it looked like but, on Gordon's face. <laughs> it did not look like uh, he was ready to tap, and it didn't look that deep to me. I guess I just thought you had to have a little bit more than, you know. I, uh, I guess mostly because as you're watching it, it, it's hard to really assess. It looked like a very weird match between the two. Um, I don't know that anybody walked away happy from that. Let me ask you and, this, Emil, because without knowing the match, is there ever a time you feel like the person sitting or on their butt should be pushing the action in a standing match with someone who's standing? I think that it depends on the rule set. I think that if there are points and if takedowns warrant you points that sure but i think that and it depends on the rule set at that point i mean if the person standing is required to engage then fucking engage um hey we're, we're grappling we're not playing tag i had a match about a month ago where the guy literally was getting up and walking away from me in the middle of the match and the rule set said that he had to engage but they were not enforcing that rule set so that would piss me off. But if if he was if he was allowed to do it, do that, that's a valid strategy to score points if you're trying to win by points. But in this, this was sub only. So I think Barbosa should have, at the very least, tried to pass, tried to set up a submission, tried to do something. No, that I agree with. Raph, did I oversell it, undersell it? Because I thought he answered it even uh, more on the spot. Do you disagree? I just thought neither of them shined in that match particularly all that well. Okay. Gordon was very critical of his own self, as he would you would expect for to see him, and was saying, you know, I'm, I'm never happy with myself when I don't get the submission. So fair. Uh, on the other side, was he supposed to get up and chase the guy around the mat. That was I mean, what he was supposed to do, apparently. I mean, the idea is, I think it could also be summed up by the different philosophies in which if you look like you're on top. From the Galvo perspective, then it looks like you are the one pushing the action. 
from perhaps a different perspective, perhaps Gordon's, uh, some of the guys he trains with, if you are basically pushing the action while at the same point you have a person who looks like they're disengaging, it could very much look like, yeah, you did get that decision with no problems. So I understand how the disconnect happens here. Everybody was saying they wish this could have been 20 minutes. Uh, at one point, Galvo, uh, he put up a post. He was very angry about it and then said, by the way, I'm still the king. So that was a quick way of, of making things happen. What I think he might have done in doing this, and I began to wonder because, you know, we, we think like the Eddie Braj every once in a while. We think of these conspiracies. Kev, I'll throw one at you. Love it. Did Gordon take this match a little easy on Barbosa so that he could get ever so closer to Galvo, who's been basically sidestepping him since day one? The only problem with that is it requires Gordon to be intelligent, and I haven't seen anything that points to that level of uh, subtle genius, but I love it. I don't know, man. This guy's been fucking tearing people up, and he's been training for like five years. He's been (laughs) been annihilating people. He's been annihilating the best in the world, and he's been training for five years. There's some genius there. I don't know if it's the kind of genius that is required to manipulate people, but... fair. Certainly, there's some there's some form of genius there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's more than shut physical. up, Emil. Just, if you just it was just physical. <laughs> Don't come on my podcast. <laughs> Shit on my point with your logic, especially with something I'm passionate about. Disgusting. So then, Emil, I'll ask you the same question. Then, does this? Do you think that this, whether intentional or not, was a way of getting Gordon closer to Galvo? Um, I think that if Gordon really wants to match with Galvo. Um, he should find a tournament where Galvo is competing, enter it, and go against him. But that would require Gordon to step out of his comfort zone of sub only with heel hooks being legal. I love that Not you mentioned that. Gordon can't finish. The minute you started mentioning all of those conditions, it was like all of his Batman rules had gotten broken. It's like, nope, Gordon only competes with money and with heel hooks and just in the no gi. Like, I love that he has all of those rules that if, like, Gordon came up to you, he'd be like, you know I've got only five rules. Yep. I'm not saying that, he can't, that, he's, not gonna, that he's not the king of that, but I think that ultimately he needs to make a decision of whether or not he really wants to take on the top-level competitors. And the, it, once, once Gordon wins ADCC, I think that's going to – it's going to happen sooner or later. I think that's going to really set him apart. Do you think this is the year? Are you willing to put that put that on the ether? Do you think this is the year that he wins ADCC? I think it's entirely possible. I really, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I I think he could. I think that if anyone could, he could. Okay. I think That's very interesting. His ability to sub, his, his, the fact that he submitted Yuri Simoish at EBI. I mean, that guy was as good as it gets as far as ADCC goes. That is true. All right, let's continue on. So, okay, now for those of you who are trying to pay attention to this UFC card, about this time, Kev, what match is going on? Uh, about this time, we are just rolling into, uh, I guess this is right as we're rolling into Alves Cote. Yes. Uh, fortunately, that fight was pretty damn good. Yes. There was a lot going on. And I will say it outshined the Tom DeBlast match. Not Tom DeBlast's fault. But again, it, I need I, I need you to engage. 
You have to try and fight him. Okay. Those are the so you're talking about rules. Tom DeBlas versus Rico Rodriguez. Okay. Get him someone who can fight him. You can't find someone that wants to fight Tom DeBlas? I think here's what my assessment of that match was, if I can give a very quick one, which is Tom is a very difficult person to read to begin with. So I think at a certain point, Rico just became like, shit, dude, this guy's going to fuck me up, even if he's playing around. At one point, you had Tom DeBlas engage with a donkey guard just as a way of pointing at, like, American Psycho pointing, like, Christian Bale pointing at Jeff Glover as he was doing the donkey guard, just to be like, hey, girl, you see this? That's me. So... I think it's dangerous when somebody's just loose and can fuck around that it'll throw you off your game in a way that you just don't know what to do. And Dom, uh, Tom was very dominant through all, all of that. I will say, and I want to put this on the record, I tweeted this out and I 100% believe this. Okay? I tweeted out, the beginning of the next National Treasure movie will feature Nick Cage racing to find a treasure map on the Tom DeBlast sweat stain on that shirt he's wearing. I stand by that. Uh, may I ask? Mm. Does he? Do you think he? Did he make a comment about enjoying the match at all, or is he? Tom DeBlas? Am I unique in my thoughts here? I mean, you know, Tom just puts out his usual like, great "Hey, fight. you guys, I just want to go and say a great fight. I want to say thank you, guys. You're so great." And inspiration and more inspiration and that fucking that Emil he's a fucking fuck you know he's just a fucking blue belt kid what the fuck does he know that's it <laughs> uh, something, something about something about my stats too just just because oh yeah you little fucking rainbow <laughs> stats fuck those fucking old kids but fuck unicorns and rainbows yeah but yeah fuck. more inspirational nonsense <laughs> I just want to give you guys that don't forget I'm the jiu-jitsu okay I just want to let you guys know Oprah is nothing compared to me. I wake up in the morning and I give you guys real inspiration. Tom. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So I just want to see, I, I was, I was doing the Tom to build in to see if I could get the Nick cage. Cause I'm not sure if I have it with me since I've been sick, but this is how I imagine the next national treasure starting of being like, guys, the next movie's going to start with me looking at the back of that man's pit stain. Almost. It's almost. You're looking at that man's what? That guy's pit stain. You need to see Tom. So Tom DeBlas, at the beginning of this match, walked out in a T-shirt that already had a sweat stain on it. Not like a rash guard, just a regular T-shirt. And in doing so, it looked like he just came from his academy. And went straight to. He probably, probably did. He probably did. Wouldn't doubt it. So there is all. He keeps the t-shirt on as the sweat stain. I assume that's how it stays. Mm. I don't know. It's perfectly in the same spot. So uh, Patrick Cote. Have you seen the awful Cookie Monster shirt he wears? I have seen right. that. No, 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 no. I want you to to go ahead and put yourself into further debt here. Uh, what about that shirt? I just I, I love it. It makes me happy. I just I imagine the terror on people's faces as he waterboards them with it. That's funny. Uh, of course, Kevin Patrick Cote. Did you expect him to retire right then and there? I expected him to retire four years ago. Uh, the fact that it was right here now uh, was a surprise. Okay. So, uh, hey guys, what's 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 worse? What? 
sorry. What's worse than a Canadian? Uh, I got uh, nothing. I don't know what. A French a French Canadian. <laughs> uh, what's worse than a French Canadian? I don't know what. Nothing. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> Well, let's see here. The comic stylings of one Emil Fisher have now gone in the 99 cent bin at your local Walmart. Everybody. <laughs> Participation required. All right. We're ready. Hey, let's get back to real comedy. Here, Cynthia Cavillo and Pearl Gonzalez. It ends in a submission for a rear naked choke. So apparently implants didn't save her with her ability to defend a rear naked choke. But there you have it. Wasn't too much ridiculous it was a pretty okay fight um definitely was some missed opportunities throughout but the submission was was solid so now we're getting into weird territory because i know a lot of you guys as you're watching this you're probably like what the fuck is happening here in new york and our good friend uh nico made this great meme that basically said uh takes the meme from the arrival with amy adams where she like puts something to communicate with the aliens and on there, he just put, hey, can you make uh, MMA illegal in New York again? And I thought that was a spectacular uh, way of uh, summing it up. Kevin, why why was that such a weird moment? Which one are you talking about was the weird moment? We're talking about Chris Weidman versus Gegard Misousi. Oh, I told you. The fight cut out. I didn't see these last two. Okay. Then there's that. All right, Emil. Did you hear what happened that was weird about this particular fight? Yes. I heard about it. Okay, good. Do you happen to remember any of the thing you heard about what was weird about it? Oh, yeah. Basically, it's my understanding that at a certain point during the fight, Weidman was leaned over um, with his hands not touching the ground, but he thought his hands were touching the ground, received some knees to the face. Uh, the referee stopped the fight because of the fact that he thought that Weidman was receiving illegal knees. Um, it turns out that he was not, but during that time, Weidman said that he was unable to continue or that somebody said he was unable to continue. And then they reviewed the tape only to find out that Musasi had not need him while his hands were touching the ground. And then apparently in New York State, referees are not allowed to review the tape. That's my understanding of it. They're, why did they review the tape if they're not allowed to? Hmm. Uh, because, I don't know. I have no idea. Interesting. Uh, Raph, did you see this real time? Yeah, let me go ahead and give you guys the, the full spectrum of this. So uh, we see that in the first round, it was a, a pretty solid round for both gentlemen. Chris Weidman was, uh, looked pretty good. Masousi looked like he had some spark to him toward the end of that first round. We get into the second round. This is where things start to go a little haywire. So in this round in particular, you've got Gegard neutralizing a lot of Chris Weidman's wrestling, hitting him with some good shots that seemed to disorient him a little bit. So then we get into that weird, how do you knee somebody when both their hands are down? If one hand's down or one hand's not down. Maselsi does the actual thing that you're supposed to do when somebody tries to put both hands down, which is lift them up with their head. So they kind of have this like 
lock around, almost kind of guillotine-ish, but he kind of lifts him up so that he can start kneeing him back up, which lifts the hand, which apparently, totally kosher. Now, the weird part here is on the actual commentary, Joe Rogan is losing his shit, like, telling people, like, I don't know if that's an illegal knee. Can I see that again? Can I see that again? Let me see it at a different angle. He has more, for more angles than he would on the JFK assassination. That's how crazy he got into this whole thing. So by the time he sees about the fourth or fifth angle, he realizes he's like, that wasn't an illegal knee, and is literally yelling it into the cages. Well, too late, because the ref at this point already said, those are illegal knees. As Emil already said, you can't really review tape. And for whatever reason you can't, I think that's a stupid rule, but New York, growing pains, we're getting there. So now we've got this melee happening where uh, Emil also alluded to the fact that they had asked Chris Weidman if he could continue. I think he was being asked by some of his coaches, and he's kind of like, I don't know. But then the doctor comes over to him, and they're like, hey, can you continue? And he's like, oh, yeah, most definitely I can. No problem. Let's go. But because they've already given him the time allotted for illegal knees, and the doctors do one last check. And do you know what kind of check they did, Kevin? Uh, Full scrotum. They were like, we have to Uh, check. Not quite. (laughs) Not quite the the test you were thinking, but they basically asked him what day of the week it was. Oh, fuck that. How did he say he was okay? Yes. He, well, he gonna said ask he was him okay some... to two different people because he said he was not okay to his inner circle. And then he said he was okay. Now you're going to give doctor. him some bullshit arbitrary test like what day is it? So when they do that, they basically were asking him where he was and he didn't really know. Uh-oh. So at that point, when they did ask him what day of the week it was, uh, you hear a very vocal Matt Sarah over on the sidelines being like, I don't think he ever knew what day it was. I don't even know what day it is. So that kind of brings us to the end of the story, which was instead of doing a no contest, they ended up giving it to Gegard in, in a lot of different ways. There was no win for either of these gentlemen. Uh, Chris Weidman, I will say this, Kev. He looked like he was trying to game the system in terms of those hands being down. And Gegard later said he was looking for a way out. Uh, Chris Weidman was saying, you know, what's the rules and what's the point of having them if you're not going to follow them? So a lot of people are hoping that they get to see a rematch here. But Gegard is also on his way out, apparently, of the UFC, question mark. He uh, He's at the end of his contract, and now he's literally saying the word, show me the money. So he very well could bounce to Bellator if they pay him the right. Though I have a feeling the UFC kind of wants to keep him, if I'm being so honest. Especially after... Okay, that explains why no one was excited about this fight specifically, because I knew none of this. My feed cut out. I was like, I am not going to go over to Comcast and buy this. I was using a, a nice, lovely work feed that is provided. And it was like, God damn it. Weidman has not looked awesome. It makes me a little nervous that, like, was that his strategy? He was trying to put his hands down, just didn't get there, or was, uh, because I'm curious, like, I want to watch the tape with him. It's like, do you see those two inches between your hand and the mat? A fun part. So, you know how Joe has famously said he doesn't want to talk to people who get knocked out? Yes. Well, when he was talking with Chris Weidman after to get his perspective, Weidman was saying, he's like, well, those were illegal knees. And Joe was like, well, actually those weren't illegal knees. And like Weidman's about to kind of like start arguing with him. He's like, let's look at the tape. All right. As you'll see here, those were not illegal knees. 
and it's the first time I think I've seen this in a while, where a fighter, instead of like doubling down on it, aka uh, over him saying he tapped, he basically <laughs> looked over at. I, we all love that, but he basically looked over at Joe, and you hear him. You don't see him. You just hear him over the 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 vocal system, just saying, "Oh." Yeah, well, I guess those were... All right, all right, well, I guess what I'm saying is it was really fucked up what happened. And then he cut into some weird inspirational bullshit that didn't make any lick of any sense. But if it touched you at a real good place, I hope you really felt it. But, like, when he was talking with Joe the entire time, all I could think of was, yep, that'll do it for me. That's uh, the concussion test. He doesn't know what's going on. We're good here. (laughs) Yeah. Emotionally, I've already moved on to Emil's fight at Fight to Win Pro. Yeah, haven't we all? Just... So, let's close this beast out because eh. we need to get to this final fight and We've then we'll get enough. to the result. You know. But, we can move on. Emil, Fuck. you know the result between Daniel Cormier and Anthony Johnson. Was it any different from what you expected it to be? I didn't expect Rumble to be quite as excited at the opportunity to uh, man-snuggle with Cormier. He just <laughs> seemed like he really stuff. wanted like he really wanted to, uh, to get down on the mat with him. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what to say here other than it was disappointing in many realms to see Daniel Cormier dismantle Anthony Johnson but it might have been sadder to see the same thing happen again and yet I'll go one further I think it was the saddest to hear Anthony Johnson allegedly had one of his coaches just literally leave and bail on him (laughs) because he wasn't going to plan Kevin I can understand his frustration as a Johnson backer maybe quite as sympathetic it's just weird it looked genuinely, even when he tapped, it was like, uh, this is not the Anthony Johnson we've seen, at least in the last few fights. It, it's, even his first fight with Cormier seemed more competitive. Like He at least seemed like he cared. This time it was like, how do I end this fight, And as you and I discussed, as pretty as possible, Raf? And that's kind of what it felt like the goal was. But why did he need to stay pretty? Well, I don't know what's next, but something's next because he retired seconds after the fight. And frankly, I think if we're all straw polling, he retired about, I don't know, three days prior to the fight. sounds like. Well, when he was basically taking those punches. So first round goes and he kind of staggers Daniel Cormier for a little bit. Then for whatever reason, you see him trying to take Daniel Cormier down and he gets really obsessed (laughs) with doing so. And you start to think to yourself, why? Like, why is this happening? We don't need to see you take him down. I'm sure you want to get inside of his head. But then you start to realize, you're like, but your thing is standing up and beating the fuck out of people. So do that. Didn't he and, knock uh, Robert between, tooth out? Am I yeah. thinking and in the between right the rounds, Daniel Cormier had to do everything he could not to blow out of his nose because he got kicked there and it looked like it would explode. So he was walking a fine tightrope himself. Then he lets... Cormier back into the whole fight by not capitalizing on standing up as much starts trying to out wrestle him and I think at this point that explains why his coaches allegedly uh, started giving up on him and saying like well fuck this guy if he's not going to listen to us what's the point so with all of that considered 
at a certain point, and I'll explain this over to you, Emil, and I want to get your reaction to it, but Cormier basically sees an opportunity to get his back and was kind of peppering in some punches. But the minute he does, there's an oh shit moment of it's happening again. But it definitely looked, now in retrospect, especially when we know that Johnson was going to retire, it definitely looked like he was kind of looking for a way out to say like, hey dude, just kind of like tap me. I don't really want to look unpretty. What do you think is next for Anthony Rumble Johnson? Because he mentioned that he gave his word to another place that would let him fight in the UFC anymore. At which point I'm saying, what job requires that you not fight in the UFC? A job at Bellator? <laughs> well, that'd be an interesting conundrum. Somebody in our, our Facebook brought that up and they said, you know, what would happen if he were to do it? And I said, you know, retiring is a big way of getting out of your contract. It's a big way of saying I'll ice myself out as long as I don't fight for another organization, then I should be okay. But he's alluded to the fact that he's tired of rolling around on the floor with dudes, his words, exact words, several times, and that he wants to do something new. At one point, he put up stuff that had to allege with the L.A. Rams, and then he later shot down those rumors and was like, no, I'm not fighting with the Rams. I'm not doing the Rams. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) Just seemed a little odd. I also agreed. That didn't match my why he tapped out suspicion theory. Mm-hmm. I I think he's headed to a commentary world place, um, or some sort of some sort of entertainment event. He just looks so excited to get out of there. It's like well, yeah, the entertainment here. venture made me slight pause for a second because I was like, is he going to WWE? Oh, because that would make me the happiest as the he's new Undertaker. Funny, he's the new under. He's, he's been the tapped. black Undertaker. Hey, the Overtaker. So love it. I I just know. That Kevin, you might be onto something. It could be an analyst gig. Uh, it could be with like ESPN, even say something like that. But I don't, I don't know. But what kind of job do you have where they just go like it's definitely not a shift over at Wendy's that says, "Hey, you better not be fighting in the UFC." You know our one rule. It might be. It's not going to be a fucking shift at Wendy's. Shut up, Emil. I mean. <sighs> Maybe he's having an American Beauty moment. Just a little breakdown. I get it. So, gentlemen, let's put it this way. Emil, I want to ask you, how do you think that you did in the game of over under Kevin? I think that I narrowly won. Okay. Okay, why do you believe that? Um, well, I'm looking at what I know I picked. I know that I picked most of the main card. I know that I picked a good portion of the undercard, but I know that I missed some key ones. Like I thought that for sure Weidman was going to win. I thought for sure that uh, Pearl was going to do some damage. Mm-hmm. That's about it. I really Kevin, does that make you feel better though? No. Now why is that? I- I'm honestly looking at. I don't think I picked more than two fights. Correct. It is possible, I'll say this, that both of you are right. Chuk again. Uh, Masasi, and I'm glad I won with fucking fake knees. That feels great. And I believe I was on the Alves train. That's all I can remember. The two of you went as such. There were 13 fights. 
Kevin, you got three right. Crushing. <laughs> it's like a... <laughs> Do you, wait, hold on. Emil fucking not even missing a beat. Like a cartoon hyena in the background. Emil, would you like to know how many you got correct? I mean, if he got three right, then that would mean that I got the rest right. <laughs> not quite. You got 11 out of 13, which is almost the rest. But still a very impressive showing from a relative novice. Now, on a bullshit those, card ahead. with fucking weird Kevin, things happening left no, and right okay. with his frozen dick. I'm upset, ref. Kevin, just to be fair, his Weidman pick was marred by was wrong. Yeah. that whole thing. Who knows if that would have been What's the way. What's going with been. the titties? Well, listen, I'm not. The more, you know, it's just. He was on the right side of history for that one. He says the titties. Everybody loves titties. But every time Emil says it, it's always like, ugh. Not anymore. (laughs) I'm going to take a break. You're going to take a break from tits, guys. Listen, Emil, what was the bet and what has to happen now? The bet was that we got to pick the most ridiculous spats available for Kevin to wear while he grapples. Uh, it should be recorded and put, and put on Facebook. Okay. So how does that ha- process happen? Because I think by the end of it, it was alleging that one person had to get them for the other person. So do you now have to get the spats for Kevin? No, I thought that it was alleged that the verbal tap was going to provide the spats. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I did not. I it was only going to happen if Kevin lost. Kevin? Uh, I kind of see his argument. I mean, I see as his a, argument, but I just journalist. listened to what you guys said. <laughs> uh, I believe that was the case, but I'm willing to uh, meet him halfway. Fair enough. All right. So if that is the case, so that means, Kevin, you're going to have to roll with Matt Jibera in that? Yeah, in ridiculous spats. It's not going to go great. This is wonderful. <laughs> this is, um, judo black belt spent his high school years wrestling. Uh, turn that all into just uh, being a grappler. Can't wait. Great time. Does he, have, does he have a good sense of humor about ridiculous spats? Uh, yes, he does, fortunately. Does he? Uh, well, actually, Aww. I don't know his spats. He doesn't wear them. So he might not. I wouldn't. I don't think he'd judge me, but I do think he will cross face me harder, if that's what you're asking. That's good. Yeah, that's he'll be annoyed cool. by it for sure, but he just won't uh, outwardly express it. So, good. okay, let's do this. <laughs> You know, you've got some things to plug. Let's let you start with those. But I have something I need to bring up But uh, when you're done with all that. All right. Well, for starters, I got uh, two super fights coming up within the next month. Um, specifically, I'm going to be doing on the 21st Fight to Win Pro here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, going up against a very tough fellow purple belt. And then next month, in Endicott, New York for Global Grappling League. I'm facing off against Mike Mudicelli, um, former Bellator fighter, six foot five, brown belt, terrifying human being. I hope I don't die. Then I also have sponsors. Um, I'm a brand ambassador for Ludwig Van. Um, my sponsors are Amy Joy Donuts, uh, Pony Club Grappling Gear, Gladiator Soap, Impact Mouth Guards, Valor Fightwear, um, uh, USA. 
and my team is Strong Style Brasa, uh, based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Very proud to be part of that team. That's good stuff. That is great stuff. Um, it was funny, I guess. Oh, and, Cle- oh, and Cleveland, Cleveland Cryo, my most recent sponsor. There we go. Um, okay, this is all very interesting. And I, I hope you don't die either. But, like, if you do die, you would be sharing your last appearance with us. So, like, win-win for us either way. There you go. Um, so there's an interesting thing. I, I thought it was best to basically, before we got Jan out of here, let you know this. I gave our mutual friend, Sean, who, who messaged us, uh, the ability to tell us a very embarrassing story about you. Nice. So then I thought, I was like, well, that'd just be rude to just read that. So I said, I'll give you an option. You can tell us an embarrassing story about yourself. Or I will read the embarrassing story I have in my hand that he gave us about you. Okay. I just want to say I'm more in love with this guy than I was prior. Yeah. But... No, no, Sean's Sean's a big fan of us. Sean, thank you so much. This is a great idea, by the way. <laughs> Sean's good people. Uh, we'll see, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, which do you choose, sir? I, what? Well, it has to be one or the other. You have to tell us an embarrassing story about yourself, basically. Or accept yourself. Sean's. Yeah. Or accept Sean's. Which is it? Sean's, of course. You want to hear what Sean's is? I want to hear what Sean's is. I want to hear what Sean knows about me that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's what he said, okay? Because we had a hard time trying to figure out. We're like, how exactly will we know that this is written by him? Because what if I just made it up, right? Well, I'll know. (laughs) You'll know, okay. Here we go. I'll know. This is, uh, these are the words he said about you. This is the Emil I know. Generous, loyal, kind-hearted, Lover of truth, even if it means he has to be wrong. Considerate champion, work ethic, in and out of BJJ. And the best leg lock student I have ever had the pleasure of training. He is a fine mensch. Aww. Aww. I want to take so, back I my Sean. approval. I just I want to go back to a medium love. Well, them's the words he said. Is that <laughs> basically what he would say? That's sort of shit he'd say, yeah. It's too yeah. nice. No, believe me, I know. Apparently not to I roll really. with but just as a human. Oh, he's fucking brutal. <laughs> Everything hurts. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically, he messaged me afterwards. And by the way, Sean, we'll, we'll get you on the show soon enough. Um, but he basically was like, oh, God, guys, no, you guys were like misleading. Like, I'm totally not that guy. And I was like, what you're saying is false. And I know it to be true. <laughs> and I can verify it in several different sources. Don't bullshit me. Also, I am permanently injured whenever you ask me to roll. So there's that. There you go. Anyway, uh, no, Sean is good people. And like I said, we are excited to bring him on the show sometime in the near future. Uh, I had nothing but kind words to say about you. And, uh, you know, it's mutual, man. It's, uh, it's always very nice when people uh, are willing to offer those things up to us. So I thought I would go and pass that along your way. Uh, but again, Kevin, do you have any, well, let's put it this way before I get Kevin's input. Emil, do you have any advice for Kevin? Because we've proven time and again, he's not good at this. 
Well, Kevin, uh, honestly, tone. you should uh, you should probably look up stuff on Wikipedia before you do one of these shows, and and, and on SureDog, and and see people's um, repertoires and skill sets, and and know who the fighters are, because when you don't know who the fighters are, bad things happen. Question, Neil. Honesty time. You didn't know much about these fighters, did you? Um, I mean, I just I looked them up. Uh, I looked up their stats. I looked up what they won. Like what you do is you just go on SureDog. You see what they won by, mm-hmm. and you see what the opponent won by, and that's a pretty easy way to determine the Got ones it. that you don't know about. Someone's pulling a real Cormier at the weight cut. I understand. I see what you're doing. All right. I'm sorry. You weren't sitting at your computer doing this. No. I was judging them based off no. of aesthetic, appearance, and s- things I think I know about them. So, so in other words, you were seeing pictures of them. How the hell are you getting those pictures? Uh, that was through the computer box. Let me counter... <laughs> My girlfriend did offer. She was like, maybe you should let me pick them next time. It's like, God, maybe I should. It's kind of genius. She probably knows just... more about them than you do. What? I mean, worse than three <laughs> would be impressive, so might as well invite it. We'll see. Statistics say a flip of a coin would have done better, but hey, we've done that before too. I guess what I'm saying here but is nice Kevin, talking to any, you, Emil. I'll just do you have <laughs> any departing words for Emil before he leaves, Kevin? Uh, no, but be very careful with the uh, frozen cock stuff. I have heard, I've heard some things. Mm, frozen cock. By the way, I have not heard things. That is again, just a 2017 fact. So uh, continue with your with your cryo treatment. Expected this. But I, just put a, we'll I just put a sock on it, man. I just put a sock on it. It's not a big deal. Perfect. Mm. When we remix his uh, his love of frozen cock, that soundbite that just happened about thirty seconds ago, <laughs> it's gonna tear the grappling world a whole new one. Anyway, where can people find you on the the socials? Oh God, Emil Fisher BJJ is my Facebook page. Emil Fisher BJJ is my Instagram. And Emil underscore Fisher, all spelled with F-I-S-C-H-E-R-E-M-I-L. Emil underscore Fisher is my Twitter handle. That's some great stuff. Well, Emil, we can't thank you enough for coming on last week and this week. You are a ton of fun to talk with. And, uh, you know, we wish you well in the next two weeks of competition. We always look forward to seeing how you do. And uh, go, go hurt some people. I guess that's the way we want to do it. And if you're going to walk out the way you're telling us you're going to go walk out for Fight to Win, kids, kids who live in Cincinnati, let me tell you something. Is that the right place? Cleveland, bro. Oh, same thing. Anyway, kids in Cleveland. We're a little late on that one there. I was like, let's see how long it takes them to set this joke up for me. All right. Half the people from Cleveland have not noticed, so you're fine. No. Not at all. Kids in Cleveland, when you're out to go see the fight to win, he has quite the interesting way he is uh, considering going out, and I think it'll make it all the more worth it. But, Emil, we can't thank you enough. We hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. Thank you. Well, the good good news, if you want to call it that, is that Raph and I might have already found the spats necessary for the stupid bet. Mm Mm-hmm. Dumb. It's like, uh, it's just what do I get into this? I get all excited when we have a friend over, and then before you know it, I'm stuck rolling in asshole spats. 
And we'll get to what they are. I don't want to do any spoilers because, you know, ordering and sizing. And uh, I have to talk to Jubera, who also has to participate. And that's that's a big deal. Or, you know, one of the many instructors <laughs> that could beat me up in idiot spats. Uh, there are a few, by the way, just over there at uh, Jubera Jiu-Jitsu. We'll get into shout-outs here in a minute. Raph, are you surprised at the loss i mean this is this comes out of nowhere this is crazy stuff no this is falcons up at halftime stuff absolutely not okay i thought i'd see if i could i was using Um, questioning raf's not interested. yeah no i'm not i was i don't know that i was pulling for you i don't know that i was pulling for a meal (laughs) i just kind of (laughs) wanted a good game to happen in front of me. I don't know that I was pulling for a meal. And that's a first. Raph's usually like pretty for the guest, but you know. Well, because no you have to understand. A meal was like, this was his bidding to make sure one of you rolls in ridiculous spats, which is not a problem for him. He is somebody who has no shame or dignity or self-respect. And so in those areas... If he's going to say, like, I'm just going to roll in whatever I'm going to roll in, that's not a bet you lose. That's just like, yeah, cool. I'm going to wear whatever's going to wear already. So in that regard, I thought, well, it really doesn't matter to me who the fuck wins because Kev's no stranger to spats, and he goes on and on and on about them. <laughs> and he definitely tries to win I, me over on it. I don't know that that's a fair Oh, phrase. it's 100% true. I'm not making that up. You have definitely <laughs> gone on. A long, long <laughs> defense of spats around me. You've brought it up multiple times. And I've just always been like, that's awesome, Kevin. I'm glad you like it. And you go, and another thing. So in that regard, you already like spats to begin with. And the crazier, the better for you as well. Sure. Though I don't think I own a collection quite like Emil does. You definitely do not own a collection of unicorn anything. No. no. Much in the same way he does. and that if you can believe it is going to do it for us here tonight at verbal tap uh time for some shout outs i'm going to start it here raf you can now slam people more violently at jibera jiu-jitsu they raise the mats massive shout out they're now like floating above the concrete which is lovely and uh you know, you can throw people, give them the full judo toss, and we will be, I bet. I'm actually going to snake this in. It's the first week, first few weeks. I feel like we're going to do a little more standing. That's just a little you to me. I'm throwing that out there. I don't know that to be the case. But badass shout out to the crew over at Jibera that did it um, on, I want to say Thursday. He was like, you know, we're kind of, we've got, we're up on volunteers, but if you're handy, you know, if you know what you're doing. And I just looked at Will and shook my head and was like, I won't be here. I, I, <laughs> I do not know what I'm doing. But the crew knocked it out. They did it in 36 hours. Started Friday, finished Saturday. They were ready for Sunday class. Undoubtedly killing it tonight. Can't wait to join the crew back tomorrow. Uh, massive shout out to the Jubera teachings this week just going to i even was i was telling ref about this off the air he's been teaching the gospel we've been doing a lot of the training dirty which is a concept where he talks about where he teaches you uh the two sweeps of momentum one way and then sort of the two sweeps another way like uh if your opponent starts to win position versus if you get the position you want 
He tries to get us to train to where we're in between that, making a decision based off of what our training partner is doing uh, as much as possible. It's a little frustrating, which is awesome, because you kind of get to drill, drill, and then uh, put into practice. And we're all starting to get much better at it from like a training partner perspective, which also helps. And, Raph, we're going to do this. We're going to work on this. And I also just like the phrase training dirty. It's one of my favorite you just kind of factor in some techni- technical failures because you're trying to make a split decision a little more into the jiu-jitsu realm. It's an interesting hybrid. And uh, we rock that into some badass Nogi Friday. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out to Steve for putting some of the purple and brown belts through the ringer. And that is going to do it for me, Raph. Let's go ahead and start by shouting out the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. The Jiu-Jitsu as Kevin alluded earlier, the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club is starting to sell some t-shirts, guys. So uh, you'll see a photo of me wearing it very soon. But um, they're super cool, dude. They're black. They've got the white LA Jiu-Jitsu logo on them. They're $25. If you guys want to go ahead and purchase one of them, you can get in touch with the guys on their social media at the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club on either what Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All that good stuff. You can get in contact with me. Let me know if you guys are interested. We'll be happy to go ahead and get that. But yes, we are selling those for $25. I also want to go ahead and give a big shout out to the guys. Octavio and Eric celebrated their birthdays. I was unable to attend. But from all photo evidence, it looked like they had just enough of a good time Is themselves. There inflatable T-Rex in that business? There was. And... It definitely would have made George St. Pierre happy. <laughs> so there's that. And I'll leave it there. Uh, I also want to thank our friends over at 805 uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, myself and Eric went there. And I will not lie. Eric and I were listening to this podcast as we were traveling there from last week. So that was fun to see him uh, look at me as I was making fun of him, which is always fun. So there's that. Uh, we also want to go ahead and shout out uh, our good friends over at the L.A. Wrestling Club. Different than the L.A. Jiu-Jitsu Club, but very nearby as well. They have a great program for kids. So I got to tell you this. The guy who runs it, Vlad, my friend Timmy suggested him. And he was like, dude, you got to come down for a wrestling class. And I was like, what do you mean? I have these shoes now. I guess I should go and use these wrestling shoes. And we went there, and Vlad was so cool with us. He let us do a whole bunch of training drills while he would go over and he'd work with these specific two to three or four kids. And these kids were monsters. And here I was struggling to get what they were doing, but they were just doing automatically. And I looked at these kids and I said, man, Vlad isn't just carrying on and showing us how to do wrestling. He's already building the next set of CIF champions or state champions. And it was cool to see him watch and do that. So if you guys are looking for a great program and you got kids – I highly recommend sending them over to Vlad's program. It is in Canoga. Uh, you can find him on the social media at the LA Wrestling Club. Uh, he's the truth, man. And I have to say this. This is maybe the best compliment I could ever pay to somebody, which is my back, which is notoriously terrible, felt just fine. Hey. And I was so nervous because I trained three times that day. And that was that was my third time training. And I don't know it was my smartest choice. But on the third time, I was kind of worried, like, "Uh uh-oh, how's my back going to hold up on all this? And Vlad was so concerned on making sure that my back was uh, very aligned and that my my form was good 
by the end of the class, I was like, you know, I don't feel anything. The next day, didn't feel anything. So uh, kudos to him. And look that up. Los Angeles Wrestling Club. Cannot, cannot, cannot recommend it enough. I also want to go ahead and shout out our good friends at Valley Martial Arts Center. Be back. On Friday night, I got to go ahead and help and kind of uh, coach out a little bit of the class as well. So my thanks to John Budd and everybody who came. You guys have very nice things to say about my coaching, and it's all untrue. But I encourage you to say it nonetheless to people who you know as well. Otherwise, do you feel like it's helping you already too? Doing some teaching now? No. Oh no, not at all. All Uh, No. In fact, I always do this. I recommend the minute I start teaching, all I could ever think about is, you guys need to go learn from this person because I know who I can direct them to. I know exactly who can teach them the things that are are super good. So there is that. But uh, I think that there is a good sense of you do get better when you do teach, but you also have to know what you're doing. Do you have so to I think that those people there. GTA skills? Do you have to tap into you were a teacher in a, for a long time? Oh, 100%. Yeah, one of the kids was like, <laughs> this is maybe my favorite comment. One of the guys came up to me and he was like, Oh, so you've taught before? And I was like, oh, never jujitsu. And he goes, yeah, I know that. But like, so you've taught before. And I go, oh, he's asking me if I've taught like anything. I have experience before. Yeah. Yes, yes. I used to do this. This was my my my, trade my main job. You know, <laughs> I was like, this is what I'm actually good at. And he's like, no, it shows you're really good at this. I mean, not the jujitsu part, but the teaching part. And I was like, thank you. That is accurate. You can tell when people don't understand you. That's a skill too, especially uh, or you know don't understand well, what don't you said wrong. is what I mean. Like you know when I am like, hmm. walking them through the steps, it is definitely a more commanding presence than like, hey guys, so you know when you get here, yeah. let's just go ahead and like try and move like this, and maybe we can do this. And I think this is really cool. Like my voice is way more like, hey guys, here's the move. I'm going to do it twice, and I'm going to go ahead and repeat it for you, and then I'm going to go ahead and show it to you. If you have any questions, go ahead and feel free to let me know. So uh, it's never any a doubt to my voice. That's what we call in the business. It's definitely owning it, and it's definitely like looking at people and being like, yeah, dude, I'm a great performer. I am a shit show for technique, but I am a fantastic performer. So anyways, there's all that. Um, good stuff to know as well. I will be at the ADCC West Coast Trials this uh, Saturday. Yes! And Sorry. I am excited about it for a number of reasons. But uh, we will be having some kind of post-show. So you guys are definitely going to want to keep a lookout for that. But I will be on hand. And I cannot tell you how excited I am. I've heard that for two weight classes, I believe it's the 66 and the 77, they are going to extend, because I think they have like 250 participants or people Jesus. who are competing in those, that they're going to start the weigh-ins at like 7 a.m. And the weigh-ins are going to be done at 10. So they extended the weigh-ins because that many people are showing up. So that's just two categories out of the five. Plus, we're not even talking about the women's divisions, and we're not even talking about the super fights, which we need to talk about the super fights. Because Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Bouchesha is fucking magic. It's really everything I want in a super fight. That's it. Then you've got uh, Gio Bruce uh, versus Bruno Fazzato, which, again, amazing. You've got Cyborg Abreu versus Vinny Magalesh. Awesome. And awesome fight. Awesome fight, by the way. Like, that is a fucking. Sprinkling. 
that you want to put on a list. Yeah. You've got Braille versus Leandro. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah. oh, my God. How? I get to witness all of this. And uh, so I'm I'm geeking out. I'm getting excited. And uh, like I said, just keep a lookout for what's coming up with us. Uh, who knows who you'll see me talking to. So I'm excited. I hope you guys will come and join us. You can follow us all along our social media at Verbal Tapcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You will not want to miss it because all of those matches are hot fire. And as we've come to learn with a lot of the 8ACC years, you never know what to expect. So we have heard rumors that a lot of good people are coming in from out of town. So keep a lookout as to who you may or may not see in those rounds. So badass. And I think that's... Oh, wait. I got one last shout out. My wife. My wife bought this fucking amazing on-air sign. That is so. She happened to just be walking around, I guess, like shopping today, and she saw it, and it's uh, just an old school sign that just flickers on and says on air, and it's a wonderfully considerate little gift that she brought over my way, and uh, it's little considerate things like that, and plus helping to take care of me when I'm sick that are uh, amazing, so I just wanted to say thank you to her. She is great, and I'm done with shout outs. That will do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night. Make it fun.